Would you bow your heads? Christ has a common finding and empty. If you have your Bibles and would like to follow along, we're turning to Luke chapter 19. And we're going to be looking especially at the first 10 verses. Luke chapter 19. Beginning to read there at, at verse 1. The title or the heading that I have in my Bible is that Jesus came to Zacchaeus' home. What would that be like for Jesus to come to your home, to my home? Luke chapter 19, beginning now, verse 1. Then Jesus heard and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. And so he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. When they saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, 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 I have given half of my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. I believe that began just like any other day. As Jesus entered into that city of Jericho, his disciples probably are following him or around him as usual. And there was a small crowd looking on to see what he may do or may say to them. And as he was walking down the street, he stopped and looked up and noticed a wee little man who had climbed into the tree. And his name was Zacchaeus. I don't know of anyone that has that name. Do you? Is there any Zacchaeus among us? There's a good name for some of you expecting mothers to name your son. Well, what do we know about Zacchaeus? Children, what do we know about him? Can anybody tell me a few things? We know he was a wee little man, right? What? Right, yes, we know that. What else do we know? He climbed up a tree. Aha, uh-huh, he did. He obeyed. Was he a little curious? Some people might think nosy. I had a friend back at our former church. He'd call me and said, Pastor, I'm having nose problems today. And then he'd go and ask me a question. I'll never forget that. Well, what I thought I might hear was he was a tax collector. That was his employment. And we'll hear more about that. And so we know he wasn't very tall. Caleb made that clear to us. 
than a lot of people at that time. And I believe that's why Jesus found him up in the sycamore tree. Word always proceeded when Jesus was coming to town. His fame was going ahead of him. His actions, his miracles. So many people wanted to see who this was and to hear him speak. They wanted to meet this teacher. Maybe he had words of life for them. Something could help them in their walk, in their journey. Yes, the report of the miracles that he was doing seemed to be the latest news of the day. But I don't think it was by chance that Jesus met Zacchaeus that day, do you? I think Jesus knew that morning who he was going to meet. I believe that God wanted that encounter for his honor and glory. And so as Jesus neared that sycamore tree, he knew who was up there. He knew why he was up there, and he knew his name. When he said, what he said came as a complete shock and surprise, I'm sure, to Zacchaeus when he said to him, come down. Or I'm going to have dinner at your house today. Do you ever have anybody invite themselves to your home for a meal? <laughs> we have some good friends in Canada. We've known for a long time. And if, there's been those occasions that we get a phone call. Uh, we're an hour away. We're coming to spend, spend a weekend with you. <laughs> that has happened on more than one occasion. But we certainly enjoy our time together. I guess maybe I did more than my dear wife because, you know, the ladies have to prepare. And you ladies know what I'm referring to there, but we do have a good time with them. But Jesus said, today I'm coming to your house and I'm coming for lunch. Jesus knew that there was going to be a life-altering situation happen and it's about to take place in Zacchaeus' heart. Now think for me for a minute, what if Zacchaeus would have refused? He said, oh no, you're not coming to my house. What if he would have thought, I am not worthy to have this holy man come to my house because he knew the life he was living. You know, it's sad to say, but there's people that do that. They don't want Jesus to come to their house because they don't feel worthy enough. They want to clean up their act first. But it doesn't work that way, does it? Jesus wants to come to cleanse, forgive, save us, and then we work on taking care of some things as he shows them to us. But we come to Jesus just as we are. Forget the pretenses, putting on a good front, because Jesus can look right within the heart. He knows who you and I are. In fact, Jesus knew Zacchaeus, and he knew that Zacchaeus needed him more than Jesus needed Zacchaeus. And the same goes for us today. Yes, Zacchaeus was a hated, despised tax collector. How many love to pay your taxes? 
come on. Well, you're honest, an honest crowd. I didn't have my hand up because I enjoy it. But we render to Caesar that which is Caesar's, do we not? And we don't want to get in trouble, so we try our best to keep that paid. But not only did Zacchaeus collect the taxes, he said, Daniel, Bert, your taxes are $100 when they were only 80 And he put 20 in his pocket. Simply put, he was selfish. He was money hungry. He was unjust, oppressing others with his abusive power. And that's sad when that happens, when public officials are caught doing that. Some of you remember Ann Lander's columns, do you not? Come on, I'm not that much older than you. All right, yeah. I remember those, and I enjoyed reading them. Well, one I read a number of years ago, I I never forgot it, because I think it really brings out a good point. It's about a lady called Aunt Emma. And I guess to simply say, the husband was a total tightwad. He made good money, but he just gave her enough to get by, just enough for the groceries and so forth, living very frugally. He was hiding money under his mattress because, of course, he didn't trust the banks. When he turned 60, he was diagnosed with cancer. And just before he died, he instructed his wife, I want you to take all that money that's in the mattress and put it in my coffin. Because he had that mistaken belief that he could buy his way into heaven. And so Aunt Emma promised she'd do just that. On the day he died, she took all the cash down to the bank, put it in the savings and deposited Then she wrote out a check for the total amount and put it in the casket later. You know, many people think money is the answer to life. But we know differently, do we not? As you have observed and read many stories over the history of our country, nation, and other countries, a lot of people met their death because of greed of money and gold. But we must remember there's limits to what money can do. You can be the the richest person around, but without Christ in your life, at the end of your life, you're empty and you're lost. Someone came up with a list of things that uh, money cannot do, and I want to share them with you. Yes, money can buy a bed, but it can buy a good night's sleep. It can buy books, but not brains. It can buy food, but not appetite. It can buy finery, but not beauty. It can buy a house, but not a home. It can buy medicine, but not health. It will buy luxuries, but not culture. It will buy amusements, but not happiness. We'll buy religion, but not salvation. May we understand that money is limited in what it can do for us. In fact, the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. It didn't say money is, it's the love of it. Thank God that we can look to him for his help and guidance 
and thank him for the provision that he does help us in life for his honor and glory. Well, getting back to Zacchaeus, he was a curious little guy, little man. He'd heard many things about Jesus, maybe some good, some bad. Surely he'd heard about the mighty miracles, but also he heard the criticism that was being spread around by the Pharisees. Some even went as far to to call Jesus a heretic, a blasphemer, if you would, an imposter. Then there were those that said, yes, he is a prophet, even the divine son of God. And so Zacchaeus wanted to see for himself. And he decided what he thought about, and then he would decide what he thought about Jesus. So on that day when Jesus was coming into Jericho, Zacchaeus wanted to get as close as possible. Well, the crowd soon swelled, and he knew he wouldn't get near him. He couldn't even see him. Well, here there happened to be, and I try to think in my mind's eye what it must have looked like, a big sycamore tree right along the road, and maybe a big limb that went out over the road. I can just see Zacchaeus crawling out there in that limb because he wanted to get a bird's eye view, maybe, of Jesus. He wanted to get as close as he could to be to Jesus that day. So up the tree he goes. He went to jump the hurdle that day. All of us have hurdles from time to time that prevent us from coming to Jesus. Some maybe think they're too good. They don't need him. Others are shamed because they know in their heart the life they're living. Perhaps they may think that they're too bad. They've done too much. Surely there's no forgiveness left for me. But I want to encourage you today, never fear coming to the Lord in prayer in your time of need. I opened the front up many, many times for you to come forward and pray. This is a wonderful place to meet with Christ, to pray with other believers. Never be afraid of coming forward. Because we all have needs, brothers and sisters, in our hearts. Every one of us, children included. As for that answer that we look to Christ, he wants to give victory. Let's consider some hurdles that we may be facing. There's that hurdle for the love of this world. The devil will entice you. He will tempt you. He'll say the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. I I just heard something this week that made a lot of sense. He said, if you think the grass is greener on the other side of the fence, it's because you haven't been watering your yard. Take that for what it may be. The Bible warns us, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world? And loses his own soul. The the wealthiest person who seems to have it all has nothing without Jesus and eternity with him. Then there's that hurdle of that secret sin. That's something in our lives that seemed to hold us away from Christ. 
Oh, I could, I could give a whole list of things here. But I think you're intelligent people. You know what that is in your life. Every one of us has that area that the devil is so quick to come. How does the, the old King James says, that sin that so easily besets me. It's, in other words, that sin that trips me up the quickest. Dishonesty, cheating, jealousy, lust. There are just a few that Satan will bring your way. Behold, your sin will find you out. Secret sins don't stay secret forever. Old brothers, sisters, friends, neighbors, we need to confess out to Christ and pray for repentance, pray for cleansing. And then what about that hurdle of racism? As I listen and watch the news, it seems like it's reborn in our nation. It's so sad. Why why does one person think they're better than another person just because of race? Haven't we all been created in the image of God? I think about the Jewish people. They have been despised and rejected and beat down, killed for many, many centuries. And you hear the anti-Semitism is on the rise. Oh, how we must pray for the peace of Jerusalem. The Bible instructs us to do that. Pray for God's chosen people. Bigotry of any kind is sin in God's eyes. The psalmist prayed, forgive me of my hidden sins. Because God will bring every work that we do into judgment someday. Everything that we have done in secret is going to be brought out into the open unless it is confessed now and under the blood of Jesus. Praise the Lord. He'll do that for you. Then there's that hurdle of self-righteousness. I read just the other day that barely 50% of Americans believe in the God of the Bible. That's one and two. And many feel they're not so bad, so they don't need God to run their life. They can do it themselves. Oh, friends, every man, woman, and child need the blood of Jesus applied to their heart and life if they hope to get to heaven. You see, God, the Holy Spirit, can look right through us into our inner soul, and he can see that secret sin unless it's covered by the blood of Jesus. When Jesus looked up and saw Zacchaeus, he called him by his name. Here's something interesting. D.L. Moody said that Zacchaeus was converted somewhere between the limb and the ground. By the time that Jesus arrived at Zacchaeus' home, Zacchaeus made restitution of the sin in his life. In verse 5, Jesus reaches up and calls him by name. You know, back in the Garden of Eden, God did the same with Adam. He said, Adam, Adam, where art thou? 
Didn't he know where Adam was? Certainly. But he wanted Adam to know where he was. Because of his sin, there is now a wall of separation between God and man. Every one of us have inherited sin from our parents, Adam and Eve. And we're separated from him because of unconfessed sin. I'm so glad that Jesus doesn't leave us alone. He's calling us by name as well. Do you hear him? The Bible says Zacchaeus made haste and came down. Bethany, you are correct. He came down quickly, just as Jesus had commanded him to do. It always amazes me that God, through Christ, offers to everyone new life, forgiveness, forgiveness of sin. Without him, we're lost and undone. Oh, how we need that assurance that all is well. For there's a day coming, every one of us, the doctor's going to say, your time is short. I've sat with people down their last hours. And thank the Lord for the most part, there was a glow. They could hardly wait to meet their Savior. But I've heard of those times that it isn't that way. It used to be in the past that people would be screaming going into eternity. But today they can dope you up with medication and a person is out. Today is the day of salvation, my friends. Today we need to know that Jesus abides. He's our Savior, our Lord. I'm amazed at those who harden their hearts, just like we read in the scriptures in the Old Testament, how Pharaoh hardened his heart against God and Moses. They'll say to you, yes, someday, someday I'll turn to Jesus. I'll never forget, a number of years ago, I dealt with a man who was 95, Jesse, as you'll be here, what, in a week or so. And this dear man did not know God as his, as his Lord, didn't know Jesus as his Savior. And there was a, an elderly lady in our congregation that was a friend of this man for many years. And she asked me to go with her, and I went along with her several times and visited with him. Very friendly gentleman. Oh, we could talk a lot of things. But when I would ask him, how is it with your soul? Are you ready to meet Jesus He'd start another conversation, something else. I tried several times. He just did not want to talk about eternity or God. And a few weeks later, he went out and he met that God. Sadly, without Christ, he went into eternity lost forever. Jesus is patiently waiting at the door and knocking. He wants to gain entrance into your heart. Isn't it wonderful how Zacchaeus opened his door quickly and willingly? He became a changed person. When he confessed his faith before men, heaven rejoiced. <laughs> Another sinner has come home. 
The Bible says if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, then we shall be saved. That confessing continues on then, a little like our, our, our lesson this morning, Stan, is sharing with others the hope that lies within you. Somebody may come to you and say, what makes you so different? How do you react differently than I? What a golden opportunity to share that it's because of what Jesus has done. But love those people who don't understand. Be a friend to them. Sometimes being a friend is the first step. Praise the Lord for the freedom that we can have from sin in Christ. And Jesus is still passing by, my friends. He's still looking. He's calling out your name. Have you heard his voice? Are you listening? Are you saying, Lord, I want to hear from heaven today? Today he's here. The blessed Holy Spirit is in our presence. He's here to help every single one of you and I to jump those hurdles that are before us in life, and some are so huge. We wonder, how can we ever tunnel through this mountain? And Jesus says, take my hand, and I will lift you over the mountain. He wants us to enjoy total victory that can be found only in Christ. We can be freed from sin's penalty, and oh, is it hard and heavy and cruel. We can experience that sweet and blessed peace. We can have that assurance that as we live now, we know that someday we're going to live with Jesus in eternity. Oh, what a great God we serve. God is good. All the time. Praise his holy name. What a great God we serve. Worship team is coming now. Let's stand together.